it's time to lock in. The most amazing, sensational, dramatic, exciting, thrilling finish. Live from Mobile, Sports Radio 105.5 WNSP presents 99 yards away. Win this game for one another. The final drive with Corey LeBounty and Nick Wiggins. Do your job and play together. The final drive. Live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. I cannot believe it! Welcome to the final drive. It's a Wednesday edition. Want to thank everybody for tuning in to WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty and Nick Wiggins joining you this hump day. And you can download the free Sound of Mobile app to any Android or Apple device that you may have. That's a free download to where you can correspond with us on the app. We'd love to hear from you on the app. You can also call us the old-fashioned way, 251-694-1055. And on today's show, Paul Gallant, he covers the Texans, and D'Amico Ryans and the Texans have been one of the surprises in the NFL getting off to the two and two start that they have and we'll talk to Paul Galana about Will Anderson Jr. and CJ Stroud and the draft that they've had and the success that D'Amico Ryans has had early in his career so far we always love Teague's take we'll get Teague's take right around four o'clock George Teague will be joining us Pat Greenwood talking to South Alabama Jaguars at 4.30. I know they had that horrible loss at James Madison in Central Michigan at home. They're looking to bounce back at Louisiana Monroe this week. So those will be our guests that will be joining us here on the final drive. Nick Wiggins, it's hump day. When you look at Auburn having the bye week, Hugh Freeze, talking about what he needed to do during this bye week to get Auburn ready for LSU next week. Alabama, no bye week for them as Nick Saban is preparing the guys to go to College Station and take on the Texas A&M Aggies, which should be an outstanding Saturday 2.30 kickoff. Yeah, this might be the biggest game remaining on Alabama's schedule, at least from a strength of opponent standpoint I mean we see how Texas A&M handled Auburn and then how Georgia struggled with Auburn now look I I, I don't know um I don't know if Texas A&M is going to beat Alabama but I definitely think it's going to be close I mean coming off the game uh, of Ole Miss LSU I think Alabama is probably going to handle LSU. The game might be close, but I think they're going to end up winning. I think this is the last game on Alabama's schedule that is a coin flip on who's going to win or lose. Well, you know, what's not a coin flip is the fact that Transfer Portal and NIL have dominated collegiate and high school athletics. So here it is, Georgia, in the state of Georgia, they're getting ready to allow NIL in high school athletics. Mm. And we've already talked about Alabama not going along for that ride. Florida approving NIL. You look at Louisiana approving NIL. So what you hope does not happen 
at the high school level is for our local athletes to go ahead and keep transferring and leaving for these other states, bordering states, to where, again, you ride 30 minutes and you're in Mississippi, depending on where you want to go and what's offered to you from an NIL standpoint. But it does trickle down from college. How does it trickle down from college, Nick? This comes out today. Utah, the Utes, mm-hmm. what kind of – what do you think would be one of the sweetest NIL deals that you could get as a college student? Um, All mean, 85 members that are on scholarship, what do you think could be one of the sweetest deals? I don't know, something from a car dealership where everyone gets a car? Well, how about that, Nick Wiggins? The Utah Utes have made history. We're talking about the Utah Utes program, a top 10 program in the country. They are giving brand new Dodge Ram 1500 Bighorn trucks to all 85 scholarship athletes. And that's a $61,000 value that you get if you're on scholarship and you will receive this truck to be leased to each player and it only ends when you transfer or your eligibility ends. So if you're an incoming freshman and your eligibility, you're, you're on the clock as soon as you hit campus, you're on scholarship, you're going to be riding around in a brand-new Dodge truck. But it's on lease. You don't own it. And you're saying after you're not eligible, so when you graduate, you give the truck back, the lease is over? That is correct. I don't think that that sounds pretty good to me. Oh, I think that's man. pretty fair. That's having a company car. Yeah. That's exactly like having a company car and what you're going to start doing. And it was just a matter of how and who was going to pull the trigger first on this collegiate college NIL car dealership opportunity from the collective. Because you're talking something that's going to cost well over. $7 million total. Well, how do you get your money back if you're the car dealership? You just go ahead and you wrap it. You promote whatever collective it is, and that student athlete would have no problem. And, you know, someone in the app already t- chimes in. Steel Tide says, I would hate to pick up that insurance bill. Well, I- I'm telling you right now, you can start looking for other universities because if you talk a top 10 program, in the country is able to pull this off for its 85 scholarship athletes. I think that that's something that's going to be real special to those student athletes and very enticing. Who's going to be the one to pull the trigger to just give every athlete ownership of a vehicle? Now, see, that one again is where it's going to be real tricky. And I like the fact that you're leasing it because now at any point in time, I can portal out. Yeah. Right. So I'm not going to give you something when I know you can just take it from me and portaling out. So the stipulations are you remain a scholarship athlete. Now, it sucks for those walk ons, because what about those walk ons? You got to ride with your got to ride with somebody. You you got (laughs) to hop down or put your thumb out and get that situation taken care of because you only have those 85 scholarship athletes that are available. But. This collective, this NIL collective, I know Coach Steve Savarese, the former executive director of the AHSAA, kind of chimed in a little bit 
about what he felt on high school NIL deals. And I mentioned our bordering states are getting ready and have already pulled the trigger on this. So when you have a student athlete that's being offered more money than what the teachers are making or more money than what the superintendent is making, then what and how are we really placing our values on education? How important does education become right there? Education don't make money like football make money. Look, my fiance is, you know, elementary education major, right? But, I mean, at the end of the day, sports generates a lot more revenue than school systems do. Right. So that's just where that comes down to. But look, Alabama is going to get NIL within the next year and a half, because I'll tell you this, Corey, with the whole Buffalo Wild Wings gift card thing. And now that you can be allowed a gift card from a restaurant, I guarantee next year there's going to be a kid at some high school in Alabama who is getting like a three hundred dollar gift card to some restaurant every single week it's gonna happen like some nice steak restaurant you're getting a gift card every week you and your family something like that is gonna happen and then alabama will be forced to just completely open the box and let all nil run free you're right within being i I say we're in a couple of years in that window of alabama not going to happen now because again that's something the central board has to vote on and approve, not the executive director of the AHSAA. That's not his role. That's not his responsibility. He's just enforcing the bylaws that are given to him by principals, athletic directors that make up the central board members and coaches also. But when you have your border in states and you start losing your student athletes, you're going to start demanding it as – an athletic director or as a coach to where you're going to have to get on with the Joneses, whether you like it or not. The truth is that it's here. It's real. It's showing up to where young people are getting paid to play. And the biggest thing that I don't care where you are, whether you're at Utah or Alabama or Auburn or Colorado or South Alabama, you still are required to go to class. You still have to hold down a certain academic status or you're not going to be able to play. And in college football, you have to stay in college for at least three years. So that means a minimum of three years for those college football athletes, which allows them physical and mental maturity before they're playing with other grown men in the National Football League because you don't want a 19-year-old playing with a 38- or 45-year-old in some cases in the NFL, right? So I think that the three-year rule that they're having academically you have to do what you need to do for at least three years in college football now college basketball it's a whole different monster you really only have to go to school maybe for two semesters if you're an early enrollee or a late enrollee go to summer school and you go to school through january and now you've only been in school for two semesters Mm -hmm. and you're ready to go and make the big bucks in the nba so it's a different ball game for different sports But also that transfer portal window has also changed to where you were at 60 days 
to enter your name in the transfer portal. Now you're having 45 total days throughout the calendar year because now if I give you an open window from 15 days here, 15 days there, and 15 days, now you only have those 45 total days instead of those additional 15 days. And that makes a huge difference when making a decision because we saw so many players didn't even participate in spring football because they transfer portaled in after spring football and spring football doesn't happen until mid to late April. So when you're coming in and you're portaling in, you have to go ahead and have your name and dropping those 15 days are going to make a huge difference when you start talking about transfer portal and as well as NIL. And those are two huge topics of discussion not only for our high school athletics but for our college athletes as well and I, I still say is there a teenager out there 15 16 17 years old that should make more money than the superintendent of the school system they should make more money than their if, teacher if they can generate whoever's giving them that money that amount of revenue back to the company Right? That's really what it comes down to. If someone pays some high school kid $100,000, they better at least make back $120,000 off, you know, whatever promotion this kid is giving you. And now at the end of the day, like, I don't know. I, I feel like I always come back to this on NIL. Like, what is that kid really doing for you? I feel like what it really comes down to is just are there rich people who – like this high school or we're an alumni from there and just want to fund that but yeah you can't tell anybody how to spend their money that's right and who to spend it on right right or the amount of it but you know does that make it right does it create turmoil does it create a situation because even if you're the high school class it can make class awkward oh i mean listen (laughs) it, it depends on how i guess humble yeah. The young person is who's receiving it because sure. if you're strutting your stuff and are cocky as a peacock, right. then you're going to have problems and create turmoil not only right. with your teammates, but uh, as your head coach, you're making mm-hmm. more money than your head coach. Right. Your master teacher is like, hey, where, where's your homework? You didn't do your homework. Mm-hmm. Hey, man, don't talk to me. I'll buy your car <laughs> off you right now. You know what I'm saying? Like, that could. Uh, That'll definitely be interesting. The dynamics of being in high school and getting paid large amounts of money like that have never happened before Ever. In, in like the history of America. Not even just athletes, just like kids are not making over, you know, $50,000 while they're in high school. It, d- it doesn't happen. I mean, it, it, unless you. Now you're, it's going to start happening all over the place. I- unless you, you know, are playing tennis professionally at 15 or 16 right. or golf at 15 or 16 or 17 professionally, then you know, you're making that money. But as far as there being limited n- rules on how much money a high school student athlete can make, it, it, it's going to be real tough. And Alabama is one of those states that is holding off for as long as they can. But when you're fending off, the rest of the boarding states, Tennessee, Mississippi, they're soon to have NIL. I know Alabama and Mississippi are right there together in regards to saying, okay, we're going to pump our brakes on NIL. But 
when Florida goes to doing it, when Georgia goes to doing it, you're ultimately going to lose student athletes who are going to be paid for it. I mean, if you're the student, you'd be stupid not to go, right? If I'm 16 years old and someone says, hey, we'll move your whole family, you know, two hours away. We'll give you a a couple thousand dollars every month. Your family will be well off. You'll be well off. You're going to go to a college you want to. That's why we're giving you this money. What, I'm going to say no? No, because the Skull Vikings? (laughs) No, like, you're going to go. You're going to go and get paid. Like, so it's going to happen. It's just a matter of when. It's happening in some places already. Um, You know, it's just... I know someone in the app does say the state of Alabama can't even get the lottery, so surely they'll be last on NIL. Oh, see, that's what the Buffalo Wild Wings gift card thing is. Because they're allowing the restaurant, I am telling you, if it's not already happening already, and look, Corey, I'll talk to you during the break and give you a little insider information on some things I've heard, but a coach is going to give a student or somehow work it out to where they are getting a big gift card every week from a restaurant, therefore making it NIL, but it's through food. And that's going to happen. That's going to make news. And then all of a sudden they're going to be like, well, I guess we got to just do it anyway. I'm telling you that's going to happen. Let me give you a hypothetical situation. Hypothetically, okay, if you offer the parent a better job and someone who's a booster of a high school, or owns a company, and a parent makes, let's just throw a number out there, uh, $45,000, dollars $50,000. Mm-hmm. But I can offer you a better job if your child will come to my school for $80,000. I can give you a $30,000 raise. Or sometimes you're only making $35,000. Well, that's and probably happening now, right? Uh, hypothetically, it may be happening I mean, because that's Nick. like not NIL. That's hypothetically. Just <laughs> hypothetically, it may yeah. be happening in places right. now at the high school level. It, sure. it may be. And that may be why you start seeing a lot of parity. I, I don't know. I'm just speaking hypothetically. hypothetically. That What if that is the, the alternative to circumvent NIL rules right now is to offer the parents better places to live or more money on a job that you can produce for them? Hypothetically speaking. Hypothetically. A lot of hypotheticals that could be true. But what is true, true. Georgia is approving NIL. That's not hypothetical. It's happening. So another bordering state right here in the NIL race. Look, let's just get the lottery in Alabama and all the money that goes into that. It'll fund the Alabama NIL collective, and we'll just keep everyone here. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, that would be great. That's kumbaya, definitely. Voice of the pack. It's not hypothetical. It's factual. <laughs> well, for some schools, it may be. I, I'm not calling anybody out. I'm not saying that it is or it is. I'm just speaking hypothetically Who knows? Who knows? That, that, that it could have happened at a place or two. The final drive will be right back on WNSP 105.5. Hey, this is former Mobile TV sportscaster Eric Clemens, and when I'm in town, I listen to 105.5 FM Sports Radio, WNSP. Welcome back to the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty and Nick Wiggins joining you on this hump day. And in our first segment, we talked a lot about the transfer portal and NIL and how it came about today. Utah, the Utes. They're offering 
a sweet NIL deal to all scholarship players, and you get a brand-new Dodge Ram 1500 Bighorn truck if you're a scholarship player, and that value is $61,000. And you lease that to every scholarship athlete on the football team, and it ends when that student athlete transfers or their eligibility ends. And that's a pretty sweet deal, and how deals like that are going to start trickling down to other high schools. And it is a trickle-down effect. It hasn't happened immediately, but it's going to continue to expand across the country. And people in the app, we'd love to hear from you. We want to hear your telephone calls as well. They, they got some uh, some conspiracy theories going on. In the app. In the che app. Che check it out. I mean, people say... Fiction, I don't know. Uh, people have called out. And, and again, it, it says it hasn't helped Daphne... Yeah, that is the the NIL or or the deals that are being made and and I here's one of my my best things and I was going to bring that up here in our our last two minutes before we get to Paul Gallant who covers the Houston Texans. Can you imagine the RS issues that will ensue? A user in the app says, "Yes, that is a great point because financial literacy is going to have to be the new class." that is taught in high school to incoming freshmen. It's going to have to be taught in middle school, financial literacy. Well, we should, we should have been doing that already. Facts, because so many people don't even know what a credit score is and how to obtain credit once they graduate high school. Right. But especially the student athlete, they're going to learn who and what the IRS means for these states that have already regulated because Uncle Sam, you better believe he's going to get his fair share. Look, a, a high school kid just shouldn't be making – they just – you can't trust a kid with that amount of money. I mean, you know, we were talking, I think, last week about the college NIL, give it to them after – maybe, maybe you do it where they get it after they graduate high school. I just know me – if I had that much money in my bank account at blow that age, I wouldn't be here right now. Blow it and I'm not saying because like I'm off to bigger and better things, I would have burnt through that and not even thought about having to pay taxes on it. Right. And if your athletic career ends suddenly, then you're out of gas and out of shape. And that's something that can happen. Financial literacy is going to be important. Paul Gallant, we're talking Houston Texans up next. Hi, this is Mark Malone, former NFL quarterback. You're listening to 105.5 WNSP. Welcome back to the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty along with Nick Wiggins on this Wednesday edition of the final drive. Keep those comments coming in our app. That's a free downloadable app, the Sound of Mobile to any Android or Apple device that you may have has some interesting takes on the college and high school NIL. And we were talking about Utah making that collegiate football deal to where all their scholarship athletes are receiving brand new Dodge Ram 1500 Bighorn trucks, $61,000 in value and how that's going to trickle down to other states, Georgia, just now getting ready to approve high school NIL deals. But, you know, when you're looking at deals that were made in the NFL, the Houston Texans made a deal at 
this time last year around January, February to get D'Amico Ryans in as the head coach, the former Alabama Crimson Tide linebacker, assistant coach with the San Francisco 49ers, now has the Houston Texans at 2-2, two and two, coming off a huge win against the Pittsburgh Steelers, 30-6. to six. Paul Gallant, ESPN 97.5, and the Gallant Says podcast joins us. Paul, how's everything going down there in Texas? Can't complain. It is Astros playoff season, so right now we're sitting back and trying to figure out who the hell they're about to play. Honestly, I did not think that four weeks into the NFL season that we, we would be paying as much attention as we are to the Houston Texans at the same time, but... Hey, two wins in a row, very convincing fashion against two playoff-caliber teams at least going into the year. And the Jaguars and the Steelers, that'll do that. It, it would definitely pick up momentum, and it definitely piqued my interest because right now you're talking about C.J. Stroud making history in the NFL, throwing for over 300 yards in multiple games, having no interceptions. That's so very hard to do. And then you look at him being able to command this offense as a rookie, the return of John Mechie the third, and also Henry Toa Toa, Christian Harris, along with Will Roger, I mean, excuse me, Will Anderson Jr., making a difference for D'Amico Ryans, and he's changing the culture a lot earlier than a lot of people had predicted. It's pretty crazy, all those Alabama guys that you're listing, and it makes sense as someone who watches Alabama from afar. Maybe they're not as dominant this year as in years past, but the consistency is always there. And, yeah, you mentioned some key contributors along the way. It's not just Will Anderson and C.J. Stroud, you mentioned. Henry Toto has played fantastic in the playing time that he's been able to get on the field. Christian Harris has been lighting some guys up. Yeah, it's been really impressive. And to just circle back to C.J. Stroud, think about this. The first two weeks of the year, Stroud got sacked 11 times. And with the amount of injuries that the Houston Texans offensive line has been through to this point this year, it's pretty insane. Starting center going into the year, Scott Questenberry. He's out for the year with the torn ACL. The second-round pick rookie that they drafted out of Penn State, Juice Scruggs, he hasn't played yet with a hamstring injury. The first-round pick at left guard last year, Kenyon Green, he's out for the year with a shoulder injury. They have extended Laramie Tunsil, maybe the best left tackle in the NFL. He hasn't played the last couple of games. They gave Titus Howard the right tackle and extension going into the year. Titus Howard has missed the entirety of the start of this year with the hand injury that he suffered. They traded for Kendrick Green. Green tore his meniscus in Sunday's game against the Steelers, so he's out. They were rotating two left tackles in on Sunday. Somehow, someway, with all those injuries that I listed on the offensive line, guys, C.J. Stroud has been sacked zero times the last two weeks. Part of that's a credit to Stroud and how well he has done under pressure and how good he is at escaping the rush. The other has to do with just the fact that this offense has been coached up very well, and it's really been an impressive last couple of weeks that I don't think any Houston Texans fans, no matter how much sunshine they're smoking, <laughs> I don't know if anyone could have predicted what we've seen these back-to-back -back games. How impressive has it been to see John Mechie III come back after missing time due to the illness that he's had and 
just being able to be a positive example on the sidelines and to his teammates. And then when you add that on top of, I'm going to go back to, again, the Mobile Alabama roots that Jimmy Ward <laughs> brings this team from a leadership standpoint. That veteran leadership has made a huge difference so far for the Houston Texans also. <laughs> Yeah, we finally saw him and Jalen Petrie, the other stud safety that the Texans have on the field for the, at the same time, um, for the first time all year in Sunday's game against Pittsburgh. So to have those two out there is great. And, yeah, the John Metzi story is awesome. I, now, again, I, as, as I said the last time I was on with you guys, my, my expectations are pretty measured as far as what I'm, I'm looking for out of him. Like that he gets on the field at all is great. But he's actually been a part of the offense, maybe not a huge part of it, but he has been involved, that's for sure, in – the last couple of games. Well, Paul, I know that my co-host here, Nick Wiggins, is the biggest Falcons fan you'll ever see and ever find. And I know, <laughs> you know, I hate to break him the bad news, but no he news. never he never feels the Dirty Birds are going to lose. But the way the Texans are playing right now, how in the world – are the Atlanta Falcons going to slow this momentum down that we're well, experiencing? Here's what they could do: they could run the football, and uh, we know that you know it's not it's not going to be one with Desmond Ritter under center. That's a quarterback with some real limitations. But the Falcons do have some horses at running back. I've seen the highlights, whether it's in Andy's room on that weird ESPN broadcast <laughs> or on an actual football field. Bijan Robinson. Looks a lot like a lot of people here in Houston are familiar with. Of course, he played at UT. He's looked great. I honestly feel like if you're Alexa, shot. Sorry, my Alexa just went off. I had to yell at it. Got to keep the robots down. <laughs> anyway, bringing it back, bringing it back to where I was. Uh, look. If you run the football against the Texans, it can be done. The Pittsburgh Steelers, towards the end of this game against Houston, actually did start to run the football with Najee Harris. Um, I, I think you've seen you know, a banged-up Ravens team maybe wasn't able to do it in the way that they wanted to in week one, but that's what they're going to have to do. you got to run the football, and you got to commit to it. You can't get away from it, and you can't put the game – in Desmond Ritter's hands, because I think anyone right now who's watching him, there's just no confidence to be had in the guy. Yeah, it, it, it's tough. It's tough to watch Desmond Ritter. I said yesterday that uh, on that Toy Story broadcast, I was feeling like Sid, and I wanted to take that Desmond Ritter toy and strap it to a <laughs> oh, bottle <man>. rocket. <laughs> Classic Sid. What a rascal. But, but, but look, look. C.J. Stroud, rookie quarterback. I would say that the Atlanta Falcons defense much improved and gave Bryce Young, yes, it was his first game, his toughest game so far to, you know, being an NFL quarterback. So hopefully, maybe, I know C.J. Stroud's been throwing 300-yard games, no picks. Look, I got him on my fantasy team. But I'll tell you this, I got him on the bench this week because I think the Falcons defense is going to give him some problems. Well, I mean, wishful thinking, and who knows? I'm not, you know, a powerful magician. I can't see into the future. But I'll tell you this. I mean, to put Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud in the same conversation right now is an insult to C.J. Stroud. They're not anywhere close to each other. And, and look, Young could be good eventually. Yeah. I'm just saying based off of the film I've watched of him to this point, that Panthers offense isn't letting him do 
much of anything. And you just take a look at the, you know, yards per attempt that he has. They are forcing him or that's all that's available to him or that's all he's comfortable doing. He's just checking the football down and his best receiver is Adam Thielen. This Texans team, I I did not think Nico Collins was – really going to be much of anything usually you see a wide receiver make a jump from year one to year two and if it doesn't happen it doesn't happen nico collins a lot of people were talking about him as potentially a guy who could make a jump in year two and this big bodied wide receiver is fifth in the nfl in receiving which honestly i did not think we would be saying at any point this coming year stroud's been making these receivers around him that I think going into the year looked like a weakness of the Texans into a strength. And then factor in Tank Dell, who's very explosive, who is a guy that they can use not only as a runner, but also as a receiver deep down the field. They're just way, I think, better weapons. I'm not predicting a massive game from the Texans against the Falcons because I'm still trying to pump the brakes a little bit because of just how well things have gone the last couple of weeks. The NFL is obviously a, a league that humbles teams very quickly. And if the Texans start, you know, loving the smell of their own farts, <laughs> the next thing you know, they could be on the other end of a whooping. And I, I don't think Atlanta is an embarrassing team by any means, but I, I do think that it's a very different conversation talking about C.J. Stroud right now versus Bryce Young right now. What do you think is given – I mean, the Texans were not a good team last year, and now all of a sudden I don't think they've made really that big a free agent addition. So you got all these young guys, new coach. How is it working so quickly? It's got to be the new coach. And, you know, they, they did bring in Jimmy Ward, but Jimmy Ward hasn't even played that much. They drafted Will Anderson and some of these young players that they got to, but there just seems to be a toughness and a physicality to this team that has been lacking the last couple of years. You've had low-energy coaches. You had, first off, David Culley, who is not qualified to be a head coach, no offense to him. And then after that, you had Lovey Smith, and Lovey Smith is an older coach and really was low energy, I know, whenever he spoke with us, and I'm assuming it was sort of the same thing behind the scenes. But D'Amico Ryan, you have a guy who played at a high level in the NFL, who played at a high level in Houston not too long ago. Not that that necessarily matters to these players, but I think it's 100% D'Amico Ryan's. They are clearly playing tough to the point where Mike Tomlin is saying unprompted, at his press conference on Wednesday, that the Houston Texans were more tough and more physical than us. I mean, look, the Steelers maybe aren't the Steelers of the last couple of years of the past decade, but when a Mike Tomlin coach team is admitting that the team across the sidelines from them basically out physical them and embarrassed them, that's a great sign for what D'Amico Ryan's instilling in these guys. Well, now you have this week Tennessee – the Titans at 2-2, two and two, taking on Indianapolis at 2-2. Two and two. The AFC South standings, that's a, a, a big-time divisional game for those two squads. And we just mentioned Houston stepping out of the division. And because they're stepping out of the division, taking on the Atlanta Falcons, it is an opportunity for C.J. Stroud to continue to improve. And for, I think, energy is contagious and D'Amico Ryans and you know Will Anderson Jr. he's going to bring that bucket pail and and the way his worth ethic is he's going to demand others around him to work just as hard and he's going to push those around him so I know that so far in the NFL season D'Amico Ryans and the Texans are definitely the talk of the NFL but when you do look at this division so far the parity within the division, yeah. I, I think that is something that I really 
through the first month of football did not expect to see. I have no idea what to make of the Titans. Last week, they get Derrick Henry to look like old Derrick Henry. He was running all over people. He had a touchdown pass. The defense looked as capable as it can be under Mike Vrabel. They've been very Jekyll and Hyde thus far this year. I mean, take a look at what Ryan Tannehill was in week one against the Saints and uh, what Ryan Tannehill's been since then. It's been a bit of an up-and-down performance, and you're not expecting that much out of him. But Tennessee is definitely a very well-coached team. We saw the Indianapolis Colts firsthand here at NRG Stadium in week two. I think Shane Steichen is a very good coach. Jonathan Taylor's back at practice, so he might be back out there. Anthony Richardson's at the very least been fun. I don't know what to make of him, and it is, it is rather interesting that the games he's played the majority of, the Colts are 0-2, the games where Gardner Minshew's been the quarterback the majority of, they're 2-0. and But, yeah, right now those two teams seem to have a pulse. And I, I got to say, Jacksonville's been rather disappointing to this point. And I know that against Atlanta, it looked like they righted the ship, but I, I think that was a massive dud by them a team that a lot of people started to crown before the season. Same thing with Trevor Lawrence. So I think, I think we're trying to make Trevor Lawrence happen a little bit too soon. This is a guy who threw four interceptions in like 10 minutes in a playoff game. I, I feel like right now, Jacksonville is probably the one that's scratching its head the most. This is surprisingly a competitive division and hopefully it'll continue that way because it's been a boring division for <laughs> the majority of its existence. It's usually been one side. It's been the Colts run, winning the whole thing every year with Peyton Manning. There were a couple of years that the Texans won it, a couple of years where the Titans won it. The Jags had that one year, but generally there's only been one decent team in this division. Now it seems like there's at least three, if not four. Paul Gallant joining us this afternoon on the final drive. You can find him on ESPN 97.5 in Houston and the Gallant Says podcast. And those are ways that I know that I definitely try to keep up with what's going on in Houston. They say everything's bigger in Texas, Paul. So I know that that includes the Texas A&M Aggies taking on the Crimson Tide this week. Do do you think the Aggies and the 12th man are going to get it done against Alabama? You know, I was thinking about going to the game, uh, but I have to cover the Astros and whoever they end up playing in the divisional series. I look at Max Johnson, who is the quarterback for Texas A&M, and I don't think he's as good as the guy who got hurt a couple of weeks ago, Connor Wigman, who was their starter. So, I am pretty skeptical that Texas A&M is going to get it done against Alabama. But if there ever was a year for Texas A&M to beat Alabama, and they've done it a couple of times where they weren't supposed to, this seems like it's a pretty ripe opportunity for the Aggies. So I'm not the guy with the stones to pick it. I don't want to piss off all your listeners. That's all right. I'm a little – if I'm a Crimson Tide fan, I'm a little nervous about the trip to Kyle Field this weekend. Well, Paul, how can people follow all of your great coverage of everything that goes on, not only with the Astros and the Texans, but everything that's in Texas because everything's bigger not only in Houston, Texas, but in the entire state. That's right. Um, you can follow me. Just search Galant Says and look for a really, really white guy with huge eyebrows. That's me. And, uh, yeah, I've got takes, and I'm loud. So uh, enjoy that. 
Hey, we love having you on here on the final drive. Appreciate you, Paul, and we'll definitely catch up with you real soon. Paul Gallant joining us this afternoon. Works ESPN 97.5, and you can listen to him on the Gallant Says podcast. And he's definitely alive where I got Alexa to listen to him, though. Yeah, man really riffed into the the Alexa. Me personally, when I talk to my automated devices like that, I always use a kind and cordial tone because – you never know when the AI and the robots are going to take over and then the Alexa is looking at you and remembering how you cussed <laughs> her out because you didn't get your Tide Pods on time or whatever. Hey, look, I'm telling you something. Paul Gallant, you look at him on X or Twitter, looks just like my man from Die Hard, the villain on sure. Die Hard. Alan Rickman. He, he, look, he looks like my guy who was in the office trying to make deals. Pull up his Twitter and X photo okay. and he has a side by side they oh, look just okay. alike All man right. without question i know mark hine would be able to pick him out if i said who's this guy right here the, who's his <laughs> stunt double yeah. mark hine would pick him out <laughs> immediately the final drive will be right back on wnsp 105.5 Hi, this is Bill Hancock, Executive Director of the College Football Playoff, and you are listening to WNSP 105.5 in Mobile. Welcome back to the final drive. Loved hearing Paul talk about the Texans and everything going on out there in Houston and yelling at his Alexa. As we do every Wednesday, we got George Teague coming up with Teague's Take. Keeping it in Texas a little bit. Talking some Dallas Cowboys, some Alabama Crimson Tide going to Texas A&M. This is just a big Texas edition of the show. But look, Corey, you know, hearing Paul yell at his Alexa kind of got me thinking. Have you ever watched a movie or a TV show and in the show they talk to their Alexa and then it triggers your Alexa. Can I hate that. Cannot stand it. I hate that. Cannot stand it. And Alexa just starts talking out of nowhere. Right. And Do you think we're triggering Alexas I, I, across I, I, Mobile County right now? I, I mean, <laughs> if, if you're listening to us on an Alexa device, Alexa, turn up the volume on the final drive. Alexa, repeat my last Amazon Prime <laughs> order. <laughs> so, but it does happen. Then you can be on television and all of a sudden, Alexa, you'll be almost dozing off and Alexa will just start blurting and shouting out of nowhere, but that's artificial intelligence at its best. I mean, it sometimes I, I, you know, you sleep with the television on sometimes. Or, and or is that what you do? You sleep with the TV absolutely on? Absolutely, I'll sleep with the TV on. Sports Center 24-7 and a commercial will come on and say something, and all of a sudden Alexa will wake me up out of my sleep. And I, I, I have to say exactly what Paul said. Alexa, shut up. <laughs> you know, not be quiet, but I'm trying to sleep here. So do me a favor and be quiet. But I, did, did you look at his ex profile? I did, yeah. See, that's the bad guy that works with uh – McLean's wife. Do they not look alike though? I see it a little bit. I see it a little bit. I, I, I mean, that part is Might pretty need to good. To grow the hair out a little bit. Maybe. See, that's you always have to have a stunt double. Sure. And that could be his stunt double, for sure. Yeah, fi- essentially. <laughs> yeah. The final drive. Probably as age. That movie came out in what in the late '80s. <laughs> the final drive on WNSP. Teague's take. Don't want to miss Alabama Sports Hall of Famer George Teague. 1992 national champion 
His takes are always great. Teague's take coming up next. The Sound of Mobile presents for the win. The final drive. No, they didn't. Oh my gracious! Yep. How about that? With Corey Labounty and Nick Wiggins. For the win. Yes. Live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. Oh, oh, unbelievable! Welcome to hour number two of the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty along with Nick Wiggins on Wednesdays. We know we get Teague's take. George Teague joins us here on the final drive. And, of course, George, a 1992 national championship member, along with having time spent in the NFL. He's currently an analyst is CBS Sports in Dallas for the Dallas Cowboys. So we get a double dose of George Teague's takes, not only from an Alabama perspective, but from a Dallas Cowboys perspective. George, good afternoon, and welcome to the final drive. Yes, I am so glad to be here. And this this may go over some people's head, but I'll go ahead and say Alabama always, baby. Alabama always. Hey, look, and, and for those that don't know, of course, if you are a younger generation, Alabama wins that national championship in 1992, and you're able to visit Bryant-Denny Stadium and get – some nice former Alabama player apparel. George Teague is one of those jerseys that you definitely want to put on that one three because it symbolizes so many of those famous paintings that are in everyone's living rooms that are Alabama fans and in those man caves. So we always welcome Teague's take and Teague's take on Alabama defeating Mississippi State this past week, 40 to 17, a steady dose of the running game being shown by Alabama as they didn't have to have Jalen Miro passing 25 or 30 times this week, George? I don't know. It's kind of surprising. Uh, and I'm glad it worked out that way. You know, it was a convincing win and all that kind of stuff. But I just, it, it seemed like uh, NCAA State was struggling a little bit because, you know, when, I, when you watch the game and I've rewatched it again, you know, just to kind of see what our strengths were. And I text you during the game, right? It was still – it was hard for me to unfathom that we didn't have to throw a pass, <laughs> you know, until going into the second quarter. Um, I don't know if that says a lot of great things about the Alabama uh, team or it speaks badly about um, Mississippi State. Well, Alabama was able to have a lot of success rushing the football, whether it's with Milro or, or – McClellan or Roy Dale, you, you just had an opportunity to steady take what the defense gave you. And Milroy, 10 out of 12 for 164 yards. But this week, taking on the Texas A&M Aggies, I really feel that he's going to have to hit those intermediate and long balls in order for Alabama to be successful. And the wide receivers have to be ready. Amari Nyblack has proved to be one of those dependable tight end slash wide receivers along with Isaiah Bond and Ja'Cory Brooks. But I, I know that Miro and Miro we trust Teague and we'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think, um, you know, it's the great thing is that we still have time on our side, right? We're going to get better each and every week. Jaden Miro is going to get better every week. We, we do talk about, you know, 
can he hit the the shorter throws, the intermediate throws, get the touch on the ball like he has. And I did see small pieces of that um, this past game in the sort of in the few throws that he had, where he kind of stepped up into the pocket. Because at first I was just worried about, okay, if he doesn't see it, he's just going to take off and go. Um, you know, there are a few times where he tried to buy some time and try to hit. Um, a receiver in the middle um, or in the intermediate part of the field. So that was um, promising um, to see that. Uh, I do like what you said, though, about, you know, the receivers. They're going to have to find a way to get open. I'm not biased. I don't care that uh, Mario Nye Black was the leading receiver, you know, had the most yards and all that kind of stuff. That's great. If you got a tight end that can make plays and do things like that, that's great. Um, but you will have to create some separation um, at some point in time in these bigger games with the wide receivers. Jahad Campbell, a pleasant surprise for this Alabama defense, sitting in for Deontay Lawson, who is really your alpha dog and your leader. But SEC Freshman of the Week, Caleb Downs, continues to impress as he has 13 tackles along with five of those being solo. We all knew coming in, Caleb Downs also added an interception to that also, George. I know that you being a former defensive back and watching the growth really since the Texas game, this true freshman is very, very special for the Alabama Crimson Tide. Caleb Downs is a real deal. I'm actually going to talk about um, one of the plays he makes. JT and I are going to break it down when he has a, a big breakup. You know, the guy ran like a little skinny post on him. Um, just watching the technique that he has to use, eight, nine, ten yards off the guy, and the guy screaming at you, and you're still be able to get the quickness to adjust. Um, the play he made is extremely, extremely difficult. Um, so I kind of want to be able to talk through that a little bit tonight on uh, Teach Take as well. So he's doing a tremendous job. I think he's a man, a great find um, for us. <laughs> to E. Campbell, man, this guy was all over the place, man, uh, getting after it. Uh, I thought that was uh, pretty cool. Um, you know, when you got a linebacker who, who's just uh, running, you know, filling lanes. Um, and it's not hard to do because you get thrown in games, or not easy to do, sorry, um, when watching their offense and all the misdirection and the, the eye candy, I call it. They try to make you go the wrong direction a lot for him to still lead the team in tackles is pretty cool. Also, George, not only the defense stepping up and playing Bama football, what I call it, four sacks are able to get home four times against the Bulldogs. It's going to be imperative, especially when you look at a new quarterback stepping in for Texas A&M and Max Johnson. You're going to have to make sure you pressure him and make him uncomfortable. He's no stranger to the SEC having transferred in from LSU, but yet and still he showed what he could do against Auburn, even threw a touchdown to his brother against Auburn. And then last week against Arkansas, he really stepped into that starting role and gained a lot of confidence and now he's not having to travel on the road he's right back at home in front of the 12th man so Alabama's got to make him as uncomfortable as possible that's true and our defense has really put together a couple of games that have been promising and showing more what we thought it was going to be you know we had to let down um early in the year we're kind of wondering what you know how are they showing us up and I, I've seen 
some small adjustments um, that they've made on how do you handle the run, you know, not give up the big um, big plays. I think that has um, really been addressed, and that's going to be um, a big test for Texas A&M because they've had some success here. And it's hard playing in there. Uh, I mean, going to that stadium, the 12th man, it's electrifying. It really is, whether or not you're in there as a fan or as a player. Um, and so um, I, I know I keep, it seems like I keep saying this every week, uh, Nick and Corey, that this is the week we're going to know. This is the week we're going to know, you know, what our team looks like, um, particularly for defense. But I think this is the one that we need to see okay, how's this going to look with our defense from? Because if we can have a very convincing win or a great defensive showing, um, I will feel like, you know, we're right where we need to be after this game. Well, look, you, you look at how Texas A&M thumped Auburn and then the number one team in the nation, Georgia, they struggle against Auburn. I'm not saying A&M is better than Georgia, but – I mean, you got to be feeling pretty nervous about this game. This might be the best team that Alabama faces, you know, for the rest of their regular season schedule. Okay, I'm going to say this first, and then I'm going to uh, laugh after it. But come on, man. It's Jimbo Fisher. <laughs> 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 uh, you know, but no, you're right. Um, they we always have to be ready for everybody regardless. Everybody's best game is going to come against um, the Crimson Tide, always, right? They, they've been practicing for us all offseason. They're going to tell you, because we give the great cliches, it's one week at a time. It's the next game on the schedule. Well, I'm calling uh, BS on that, that it's we're playing Alabama week five, week six, <laughs> or whatever week it is, and we need to make sure that we don't show too much or give them our best shot um, that weekend as well. So, Texas A&M, they're a very talented team. They, you know, they do recruit well. Um, is is a electrifying atmosphere. It's a hard place to play when you're on the road. Um, and you know, they're they're kind of feeling like you know they played us tough last year and did some things. Um, with us. So they got a little bit of confidence. It's just going to be how our guys respond um, to the noise. Um, and hopefully we start fast. Yeah, that's the biggest thing, how you take a team out of it, especially home of the 12th man. We know two years ago, Alabama let the 12th man stick around all the way to the end of the game until we were beat on that field goal, that last second field goal. And then last year, they made our fans stick around, let their fans stick around as it goes into the end zone, a last-second throw broken up by Terion Arnold. But they have a guy, Anaya Smith, who has really been talking at the press conferences, been chirping, saying this isn't the Alabama team of the past. This isn't number one versus or the number two team in the country any longer. And he knows how to crack Nick Saban's code. So to me, even though he's such an electric player, you better be careful what you ask for, for certain, if you're Anaya Smith, because even though he is a very, very versatile punt returner or kick returner for the Aggies, I guarantee Alabama has put that on their bulletin board this week, and they don't want Anaya Smith to beat them. Haven't they seen the movie when they say, you're going to learn today. <laughs> 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 go 
they're going to learn on Saturday, man. Quit doing that, man. Those are the kind of conversations you have in the locker room with your team, right? You don't have to go at that, especially when you're a player. When you put yourself out there like that, you, I don't think people that really do that really know what that does to a locker room or to a position group or something to say, why is he doing that, right? It's Lamar Thomas. Another guy, yeah, I'm going back 30 years ago, but it's the same stuff. We didn't have to reply back, but the fuel that it gave us in our locker room, you know, and to continually show the play or play it over a loudspeaker or whatever coaches figured out how to do that, that when they walk into that stadium, it might be one of the toughest games that he ever has to, to play just because he's fueled these guys like this. Coach Saban ain't going to like it. He's back. I like to see Coach Saban back, man. He getting fired up, pulling the headsets off, uh, you know, yelling at some people, whatever. Woo, man, it's refreshing, right? And I'm, I'm sure he's talking to these guys, too. That look, okay, this is what they're saying about you. You're not the team of the old. You're not the same ones. That That's not that's not the recipe for it. Sometimes – do they got a publicist over there take that and can talk to their guys in the media department and tell them, hey, that, those aren't the things you're supposed to say. Um, <laughs> teach them how to talk because that's not it. No, I, I, I thank him for using that as bulletin board material because one or two things has to happen. You know, Ric Flair, I love wrestling. He says, if you're going to walk the walk, you better be able to talk the talk. And now he's going to have to back up not only his play, but the Texas A&M Aggies play as well. And there's nothing more exhilarating than to watch a fan base leave the stadium by halftime or by the end of the third quarter, knowing that Crimson and White are going to take over College Station. So I know that you mentioned Nick Saban being back, old Nick Saban ripping into his coordinator, ripping into his players. But Terry on Arnold yesterday said, look, I embrace that Nick Saban is getting after me because he wants me to be the best, and you have to be able to take that as a player to become better and – you know, the criticism that has been given uh, to the Dallas Cowboys for the way that they performed one week ago and then their bounce back, huge Sunday football win versus the New England Patriots, giving the Patriots their worst loss ever in a Bill Belichick era. That's the type of Cowboys we're looking forward to seeing and the momentum that they need heading up against the San Francisco 49ers this Sunday night. Hey, I think I can say this for you. This is just for you, and it it does have to do with the Dallas Cowboys and with Alabama. But because you said Ric Flair, these are the moments where it makes me want to go, woo, you know, <laughs> boy, because, man, those are some very good football games um, going on. Alabama goes out and uh, handles their business with Mississippi State. Who would have ever thought? I didn't think it. I was guilty of how the Cowboys game was going to turn out um, with um, the Patriots. I mean, it was total domination. Um, I hate that Christian Gonzalez, their uh, corner, rookie corner, got injured and all this kind of stuff. But it was when you watch it schematically, right, and you see how – and I was at the game, at the Cowboys game, and you see how Mike McCarthy was putting pieces together, getting matchups, um, moving the ball. Uh, still had some red zone issues and some other things that we got to fix. Um, but that defense, bro, two defensive touchdowns, you know, a strip sack, 
uh, scoop and score, uh, bland with a couple of interceptions. It was just, it was a little overwhelming because um, Cowboys flashback, which I'm on as well on Monday nights on Dallas uh, Southwest out here in um, Dallas. Um, I had to pick some plays that I need to draw up. Was part of what I do, and. I had too many plays, man. They're like you, you can't replay the whole game. <laughs> you know, you got to narrow it down. So, um, I'm pretty excited about that. But you know where the Cowboys got to go this Sunday, right? We're gonna talk about that. We're yeah. gonna talk about what the Cowboys got to do this Sunday. Absolutely. Yeah, that, that that's probably game of the year, right? Up to this point. I think it is. Um, and I'm waiting for uh, Nick to go ahead and tell me whatever your unbelievable comment is that you make every week. So what you I'm mean? still waiting. No, no, well, no. You know, I'm rooting for the Cowboys. I said the Cowboys. Okay, I'll throw you one. I'll throw you one. Who who has been the most disappointing team? And disappointing doesn't necessarily mean worst, right? Because if you know you're bad, you can't really be disappointed. Who has been the most disappointing team in the NFL up to this point and the SEC? There uh, you go. Cincinnati Bengals for me and the, and the pros. Um, in the in collegiate world, TCU. <laughs> I think they're just, I mean, they're an average team. I think if you go from being a contender for the national championship and just kind of out of it. It's it's not good. What what um, what about the SEC specifically? Would it be maybe a LSU? Oh, SEC. Florida. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Florida. I don't know what's going on there, man. Uh, I mean, it just um expected them to be a little bit better and it just seems like there's let down have to let down, and I haven't watched all of the teams. I mean, you see some teams progressing, but it's kind of hard for me to fathom that you know University of Florida um, is that they're playing the way that they are. How, how you get a win like that against Tennessee, and then you play like that against Kentucky? I, I don't get it. <laughs> Did they touch that either. Space Jam ball during the week, and all their powers got sucked out of them, or something? <laughs> yeah, I, I I mean I don't know, but it's it's um I'm not complaining because we need to do what we're doing and try to figure out how to win the SEC West, That's you right. know that kind of thing. Um, but um, it, it's just hard when you put on a coach's hat or a player's hat and you just see teams that kind of struggle like this. And no, I'm not reading every article that they have, and I, I don't know what all of their their struggles are. Um, but Florida should be able to be playing a whole lot better than they are. Let's hop back but over. Anyway. Yeah, let's hop back over to the NFL for a sec. Look, I got the Cowboys winning the Super Bowl, so I'm on your side. You and I are riding together this year. But I got to ask, you know, I know Diggs had the injury. Who has came in and stepped up in that secondary to, you know, give you guys that dominant win against New England? No, Deron Bland, easily. Um, the second-year cornerback, um, he's out of – Sacramento State ended up transferring over to Fresno State, fifth-round pick. Um, I think he was third in the league last year in interceptions, tied for third like that, and he's on his way again. So it's kind of a big steal for the to court, uh, for the Cowboys to be able to have him, which we're going to need him in a game like this. they got uh, Debo Samuel, uh, Brandon Ayuk, 
don't have to worry about at least one of them. While everybody else is trying to worry about Christian McCaffrey, <laughs> you know, um, for sure. Um, Brock Purdy, Mr. Relevant, playing solid um, all the time. So it's just this is a huge game for the Dallas Cowboys because, um, you know, when you lose to them two years straight, um, you the goal of the Cowboys got to be to get to the NFC or the Super Bowl. That has to be it. And this is kind of the test. Um, if you listen to all the guys out here, everybody knows it's the same thing like we talked about. Everybody's gunning for the 49ers in the NFC, not just the Eagles. Now, you know, it's for the Cowboys specifically. It's the 49ers. Um, so this could have a lot of upside to it if you go out there to um, – play in their place and win the game. Um, but losing to them, you know, could be problematic um, as well. How do you stop one Christian McCaffrey? I think that he's the most versatile player in the NFL, and I know he is no spring chicken by far, but everything and the problems that he presents for opposing defenses, I know that not only – will the Cowboys' defense have to be on their A game. They're going to have to find a way to make Purdy uncomfortable to where he cannot hook up with McCaffrey because if not, McCaffrey just can beat you in so many different ways. <laughs> How do you stop McCaffrey is the question. Turn the video game off because that's about the only <laughs> way you can stop McCaffrey. <laughs> uh, you know, otherwise you're just going to try to slow him down because he's got too much to game is awesome. I love it. It's fun. You know, we do it the counters and the pool and all the other kind of things where you get behind these guys and finding things. You're throwing in the ball on screens or just lining them out there and throwing it um, in the ball. So this, this to me is going to be one of Dan Quinn's biggest challenges. Now we've kind of done well with at least slowing them down the past couple of years. Um, and I think that's exactly what we need. I think this is going to be more the one where you've got to have the offensive production um, to keep up, if I can say it that way. Because I think our defense will be, will be okay. Everyone's going to sit the Dallas Cowboys defense um, this week, right, in fantasy football. I think they're going to make a mistake um, if you do that. Uh, I keep them in your lineup because um, I think the defense will still play good. It's really going to be, are we going to be able to do enough to, to move the football down the field? Well, George Teague, we always welcome Teague's takes, and not only did the owner of the Dallas Cowboys, Jerry Jones, make that hot take saying the Super Bowl goes through the San Francisco 49ers, and that is the franchise to where we must get over that hump. It's something I know that you'll cover that, you'll diagnose plays, you'll be talking about Alabama and Dallas every single Wednesday night on your podcast, George. How can everyone fill in and listen to Teague's takes and hear even more exciting NFL and college Bama football? Man, every week you can catch me and JT, who is my son, James Teague, on YouTube, Teague's Take Podcast on YouTube, 8.15 p.m. Central Time on Wednesday nights, live show. This is Tonight we actually have uh, Ryan Fowler coming back on once again um, to give us a little bit of breakdown. And then we're going to break down a couple plays, one offensive play, one defensive play, on the chalkboard with film. So you need to get on there and watch it, get in the chat, ask your questions. Um, because 
I don't know. We have a good time doing it, just like we have a good time here on WNSP, right, at 4 o'clock on Wednesdays. This is my show, man. I love being with you, right. Nick and Corey. So uh, let's keep making this thing happen and um, bring the people all the content that they need. Always love Teague's takes, and it's always great talking to an Alabama Sports Hall of Famer, a former national champion with the Alabama Crimson Tide, and someone who always protects the logo. Number 13, George Teague on the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Vern Lundquist from CBS Sports. You're listening to WNST Mobile, Alabama. Welcome back to the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Don't forget this Saturday, the Gulf Coast Challenge coming to Mobile, Alabama. Alabama A&M and Jackson State. We'll be doing battle at Lad People Stadium. Both teams three and two, so it should be a great swag matchup. Outstanding weather will be there also for you to enjoy the bands and all the free concerts that are going on this week. You don't want to miss those in downtown Mobile. Shy, the R&B group, will be performing tonight. Of course, you have Marvin Sapp coming up tomorrow night. Friday, they'll have the Second Liners Parade and just a lot of great festivities going on. Lil Boosie will be performing after the game on Saturday, so should be a great week of events for the Gulf Coast Challenge, so look forward to, to covering that. And we did talk about in our first hour the huge announcement by Utah, the Utah Utes, all 85 scholarship players receiving a $61,000 brand-new Dodge Ram 1500 Bighorn truck. $61,000 in value, Nick. If you if you were an athlete, what what would you like to receive? Would, would, would it be that car? Because some college kids, they don't have transportation. And even though this is leased, yeah. would that be it? Would it be the car? I'm not really a big car guy, but ever since I've been a little kid, my dream car has always been a DeLorean. You like that Back to the Future's yeah. got you. Yeah. If I had one of those at work, man, I'd be rocking that thing everywhere, man. I'd be riding up to Comic Cons and stuff, getting people to pay me to like take pictures in it and stuff. So you I, don't, I don't know anything about cars though. It, so it, it could be like a death <laughs> trap. I don't know. That's probably why they don't sell them anymore. It, it, it wouldn't matter. You just would want the replica of. Oh, yeah. That would just be fresh, man. Can you imagine that parked out there <laughs> next to everyone else? It would stick out, but it'd be cool. What so about what you? You got a preference? No, I, I just would be happy to have a new vehicle sure, sure. A, as a college student. Doesn't matter if it's a two-door, four-door truck, SUV. Wouldn't matter. It would just be one of those vehicles that would be an upgrade to whatever I was driving, just like having a company car. So you can't beat that from a collegiate NIL standpoint. So I, I know that that's definitely going to happen for sure. Pat Greenwood, he's covering the South Alabama Jaguars, and he'll be joining us next to talk about South Alabama trying to get back on track in a very important conference game versus Louisiana Monroe. Pat Greenwood 
joins us next on the final drive. This is Jordan Farley from the University of Alabama. You're listening to 105.5 WNSP. Roll Tide. Welcome back to the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty and Nick Wiggins joining you this hump day, Wednesday afternoon. And I want to thank everybody for having us tuned in. And, of course, you can download the free Sound of Mobile app to any Android or Apple device that you may have to where you can correspond with us on the app and today the app's been buzzing with the new utah nil deal to where all of their scholarship football players get brand new dodge ram 1500 bighorn trucks all those scholarship football athletes will be able to lease those until their eligibility ends or unless they transfer away so that's definitely a huge win for the Utah Utes program and in a great way to brand their football program. And Pat Greenwood, he does a phenomenal job of branding South Alabama athletics, all athletics. Pat Greenwood does a great job of promoting. He's our next guest here on the final drive. How's it going, Pat? Well, I want to transfer to Utah now. Does that extend to the staff? <laughs> hey, look, they probably are going to get some sweet, kickbacks too brother so why not well, I mean, look, the, look, the thing is i, I drive a uh uh 2000 suburban uh 200 excuse me 322,000 miles uh <laughs> so if, if if my new car has a key fob and windows that roll down that's a big win absolutely it's a big win and it will be a big win for the jaguars if they're able to defeat louisiana monroe on the road and really struggled rushing the ball but we knew going in james madison was that type of defensive run stopping team i mean they don't they don't they give up less than 40 yards rushing per game for a reason have knocked off power five virginia for a reason and you can say what you want to i know that there are different divisions in the sunbelt conference sunbelt east where james madison resides and sunbelt west where south alabama does reside but the jaguars really have a chance to get it back in gear on the road well and to be honest with you we if we can't run the football we're a different team uh, especially when we lost Braylon McReynolds uh to begin the season in the two-lane game and you know of course he's a running back but we threw to him so much out of the backfield then you lose Devin Boyson in the southeastern Louisiana game who's our number one wide receiver um so we still have weapons obviously but we've got to be able to run the football and when we can't the margin for error becomes very very thin and when that happens you can't give up explosive plays on defense um and that's what we did we still despite the fact that we had that thin margin uh we had an opportunity to to tie that ball game we had the ball down eight uh in the final minutes against james madison but we can't put ourselves in a hole like that so um so yeah i think you're right the the question saturday is can we run the football i think we can against monroe uh monroe has gotten you know i felt pretty good about that game until i watched their game last week against app and they lost 41 40 uh they've got a very mobile quarterback which we've struggled with uh trying to contain mobile quarterbacks um but i do think that we can run the football on them and if we can limit explosive plays run the football then i think we got a good chance crazy stat though is we've never won in monroe South Alabama has never won in Monroe. It's a tough place to play in part because there's not a lot of atmosphere, uh, typically not huge crowds. It's kind of a, a dead zone, so to speak. And 
And so uh, we're going to have to bring the energy on Saturday. And, uh, again, great opportunity to do it. BYOE for sure. Bring your own energy is what you're going to have to do to win in a place that South Alabama has never won before. But also, Greeny, the Jags now looking at a 2-3 and three record. And the good thing for South Alabama, half full, half empty, depending on how you want to look at the glass, they have only played out of the five games, to me, only one complete football game, and that was against a Power 5 Oklahoma State team. Offense, defense, special teams through four entire quarters. We saw them play a great half against Southeastern Louisiana. We saw them play an entire great game on the road against Oklahoma State. We saw them play in spurts versus James Madison and against Tulane, but it all falls back to just putting Four great quarters together, and outstanding results happen for the Jags. Well, you're right. I mean, I, there there has been only one complete game, and you saw what happened when we put it together. But you know, the the bottom line is it's a 60 minute game, and I don't care if you have the the most outstanding first 15 minutes of the ball game. Look what happened against uh, Central Michigan. I mean, we marched down the field first two drives like there wasn't a team uh, playing defense against us. Uh, get up 14 nothing, and, and whether we relaxed or, and of course, they changed quarterbacks and, and that changed the dynamic, but uh, one quarter is not going to do it. Two quarters isn't, three quarters isn't either. Uh, and so, yeah, we've got to be able to put everything together. You know, you talk about half empty, half full. The, the half full way to look at it, and this is an absolute true statement, the the chance to win the Sunbelt Conference is still very much in our grasp because if you're going to lose a first game, lose one to a team in the East, that's what we did. We've got uh, all of our opponents in the West still to go. Uh, of course, Marshall is the other Eastern Division opponent that will come here later in November. But uh, the goal is still in front of us to win the Sunbelt Conference Championship. Uh, but, you, you, again, you that, that margin of error that we always talk about is getting thinner and thinner. So we've got to go make a statement up there in Monroe on Saturday. Well, when you do look at the Sunbelt West, if you were to tell me right now that the Southern Miss Golden Eagles would be one and four and that notch below the Jaguars, both teams in South Alabama is 0-1 in conference play, Southern Miss 0-2, it is an opportunity here for the Jags, like you mentioned, to go ahead and snatch you one with the division foe in ULM. And, and I know that you do have to bring your own energy. You do have to be able to sustain and run the football. And I think that Carter Bradley having to drop back and throw 50 passes was had a lot to do with this James Madison defense just not allowing us to run the football. And hopefully we'll be able to open up some holes for those backs to get through because we do have three or four backs to where we can stay fresh back there. Yeah, and I think, again, if with a healthy lineup, we could probably sustain that uh, lack of running game a little better uh, with Braylon in there, with Devin in there. But the, the, that's just not an option anymore. Uh, We've got to have guys like um, uh, Javon Ivory step up, uh, Jamal Pritchett, who got his first collegiate touchdown last week. Uh, those guys are going to have a chance to step up and, and make some plays. But we're not designed with the personnel we have to run the ball that – or, excuse me, to pass the ball that much. That's why I think it's imperative that we – establish the run Saturday I think this is a defense that we can do that against and if we do we're a different team yeah I, I do agree with you 1000% there and the the most impressive part about this Jags team so far 
has been the play of Colin Lacey. Just continues to remain productive and explosive. Came on late against James Madison, but six catches for 132 yards. Even though he didn't have a touchdown, he still continues to have yards after catch. And if nothing else, he demands sometimes help over the top with the safety or you finding some type of bracket coverage that will allow others to be effective receivers. Well, and Colin is used to uh, not having those brackets because he had you know, Jalen Tolbert and then he had Jalen Wayne and then he had Devin Boyson. So now all of a sudden he is the focal point. So uh, it says a lot about his athletic ability that he is now getting that bracket coverage, those guys that are, are focusing more and more on him, and he's still getting open and still getting the yards and really up until Saturday getting the touchdowns. Um, but, you know, you're not going to sneeze at 132 yards even if he didn't get in the end zone. Um, so, yeah. No, Colin, Colin's been fantastic. Uh, also, running back punts, you know, he's a guy that you want to put in space and let him make plays. And so he's been an integral part of what we're doing. I just like to see somebody else step up and take a little pressure off of him. Uh, and then, you know, then when we do get in those situations where we have to pass and everybody knows we have to pass, then, you know, we have more weapons to deal with and uh, we can make something positive happen. Well, I know because you and I aren't coaches, we can always look ahead, Pat. We can look ahead to week number 10 for the South Alabama Jaguars. And I will say to the November matchup uh, against our biggest rivalry in the battle for the belt and Troy strategically today, they placed it as Carlton Marshall Day, the former McGill Tulin graduate, NCAA's all-time leading tackler coming from right here in the Port City. So and, and Carlton had his fair share of great games against South Alabama, but anytime you're battling for the belt and you still have Carlton Marshall involved, a little extra motivation there for Troy with that matchup and the battle of the belt. But I'll tell you what, first of all, blanket statement here, Carlton is one of the nicest, classiest, best guys you're going to want to be around. I can't say enough good things about Carlton except for the fact that he plays for Troy. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I do love the fact that number two is not suiting up against us. Uh, it would be great to see him, obviously, uh, on that uh, Thursday night game in Troy, but uh, very happy that he's not part of that defense anymore because uh, he, was, he was tough, and, and wherever the ball was, he was going to find it. Yeah, absolutely. You're you're right about that. Carlton Marshall is nothing but first class, first class ambassador for Mobile, Alabama, the Port City, McGill, Tulin, and and Troy as well. Pat Greenwood, our guest this afternoon on the final drive. Pat, when it boils down to it, this Saturday, South Alabama, does it just come down to being able to run the football to to win the game, or does it is it going to take a complete four quarters, meaning, you know, not in spurts or not playing from behind. What is going to be that magic sauce for the Jaguars getting their first win ever at Louisiana Monroe? Well, I mean, I think, yeah, number one is running the football. Number two, we've got to contain the quarterback because he is mobile and obviously put up uh, 40 points against a pretty good app team uh, last week. But but the thing is, you know, I, I want to see us get our swagger back. Uh, you know, we, we play pretty well when we've got some swagger, but you've got to maintain that swagger, keep that swagger for a whole four quarters, which, again, we've done one time, uh, and that was against uh, Oklahoma State. Uh, now's the time to turn it on. If it's a light switch, now's the time to flip it because we've got seven games to go and uh, still everything we want to play for in front of us uh let's go get it done on saturday afternoon 
Pat, I appreciate your time here on the final drive on WNSP 105.5. How can people follow all of your great video and digital coverage of all of South Alabama athletics? Of course, everything that we do is on ESPN Plus. In fact, uh, we have soccer at ESPN Plus tomorrow, volleyball Friday, Saturday. And then, of course, uh, anything uh, edited content is on JagNationTV.com, which is a free website. Uh, highlights, interviews, you name it. It's all on JagNationTV.com. Greeny, always appreciate your time and look forward to seeing you soon. Thanks, guys. Take care. Pat Greenwood, South Alabama Jaguars. Joining us this afternoon on the final drive, we'll be wrapping up hour number two right after this break. Hey, this is Slick Willie Shaw from the world-famous Harlem Globetrotters. You're listening to Sports Radio WNSP 105.5 FM. Welcome back to the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Nick, I know you're not a huge baseball fan, but... The wild card playoffs are going on in Major League Baseball. The Rangers go ahead and take care of the Tampa Bay, or excuse me, the Tampa Rays, to where the Rays got off to one of the best starts ever in the history of baseball to start. So it's not how you start. It's literally how you finish. The Rays are done in the playoffs. The Rangers knocked them off today, 7-1. to one, And you currently have the Twins leading the Blue Jays in that contest. And Minnesota leads that series 1-0 to zero in that wild card. But one of the great things about going to Major League Baseball games is the meals that are there in the concession stands to where now playoff team created a glazed donut sandwich. Would you eat a glazed donut sandwich? I'd try it. I wouldn't spend my own money on it. If someone were to bring it in, like right now, I would. I would definitely try it. I'd All try right. everything once. Here we go. Uh, the bird blue sandwich includes three glazed donuts. Pickled green tomatoes and two fried chicken breasts, all topped off with some powdered sugar. Um, and how much is that? Do you have the price? <laughs> probably That's break probably your $18, wallet. Eighteen dollars. Right? I, I would. I'd be willing to bet you it costs probably about twenty-seven bucks. Now here's one in Philadelphia, man. The Schwarberger. It's what was that? The Schwarberger. Schwarberger? Yeah. Okay. It contains beef, smoked brisket, cheese, bacon, onion rings, a whole lot more. And it does have a benefit. It goes to a neighborhood heroes foundation. But man, that, that you sounds can, a lot better. You can get sliders, you can get mini corn dogs, the concessions. Getting Normally over here, man. Well, I will say this. The Atlanta Falcons. Man, you can get like seven items for oh, like yeah. 20 bucks. Yeah, Mercedes-Benz Stadium, man, they do it right. The cheapest prices on concessions. I think State Farm Arena, they, you know, they they have the cheap concessions as well. I mean, you spend 15 bucks, you got a beer, a hot dog, fries, you know, some affordable candy. family atmospheres are what we ask for, but man, you try some of these concession stand products, you'll have an instant high cholesterol or heart attack problem, brother, with some of this stuff they put together. The final drive, hour number three, starts next. The Sound of Mobile presents For the, win. the final drive. No, they didn't. Oh, my gracious. Yep. How about that? With Corey Labounty and Nick Wiggins. For the win. Yes! 
Live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. Hour number three of the final drive. Corey LeBounty and Nick Wiggins joining you on this hump day Wednesday edition. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in, whether it's on the app or whether you're on the radio or listening to us on Alexa. We've had an Alexa interruption and an Alexa sighting today earlier in our show. Paul Gallant, he had to silence his Alexa as his Alexa wanted to chime in like you can on the free Sound of Mobile app that you can download to any Android or Apple device that you may have. And, you know, Alabama facing Texas A&M this week. Jimbo Fisher, we all know the backstory of Coach Fisher working with Nick Saban at LSU and the respect that they have for one another. And Jimbo being one of the first to knock off Nick Saban a couple of years ago on that winning field goal, you 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 have seen last week Nick Saban show the same mentality that he showed when Jimbo worked for him at LSU and what worked for Nick Saban earlier in his career. And for some reason, this year Nick Saban has been softer and gentler uh, with speaking to the media and speaking to his players, but not after this whooping they put on Mississippi State. He was fiery as ever and really did everything but throw the headsets down to the ground. And he got into everybody and ripped off on Tommy Reese. He And he says, hey, look, Miss Terry told me when people do things wrong, I need to fuss at them a little bit, to, to, to really let them kind of give them a little chewing of their backsides. And you have to be able to take that. The same way Lane Kiffin took it, the same way Jimbo Fisher took it. But Terion Arnold, the cornerback for Alabama, he gave a perfect example and a, a, a precise answer on why you can become great when Nick Saban fusses at you. And it's not a heated debate. You don't have to argue with your balls. You don't have to argue with the GOAT. L listen to what Terion Arnold had to say about taking what Nick Saban has to say and using it to his advantage. Uh, it looked like at one point in the game you were kind of getting an earful from Coach Saban. <laughs> when he gets hot like that, like, do you have a strategy for kind of getting through it? Like, moving, like, are you trying to have a conversation with him when he's like that? Do you just say nothing, or how do you handle it? Now, obviously, you got to ask questions because you got to see what he wants so you can make the adjustment on the field. So when it came to me, I actually was jogging off the field. I'm like, Damn, boy, he looked mad. Boy, he finna give it to somebody. And then I'm like, oh, 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 it's me. So, like, when he was saying that, uh, I mean, he was telling me to time up the blitz on the motion. And I know y'all seen, like, how many times do I have to tell you? You know the word. But, uh, like, when he said that, it was kind of like one of those things that you just have to not hear how he's saying it, but you have to hear what he's saying. And, I mean, it's another thing when you look at it as far as never knowing when the camera's on you and being coachable. And I feel like the relationship that I have with him, he knows that I can take coaching like that, and it's hard coaching. And when you choose to come here, you never know when he can chew you out. And uh, like people always say, you should be worried when he's not saying something. So Alabama fans have had a lot of concern because we haven't seen Nick Saban saying a lot up until this Mississippi State game. But Terry on Arnold, perfect example of 
the Alabama standard. When you come to Alabama, you know you're going to get fussed at. You know you're going to get ripped. It doesn't matter whether you're the trainer, the water boy, the assistant coach. It, it, you're going to get fussed at at some point in time. It's how you handle it that I respect so much about Terrion Arnold. And this is the same corner that got picked on on the last play last year versus Texas A&M was able to to get involved and make sure that A&M didn't throw that touchdown to win the game. So his growth as a player is something that I hope a, a lot of other future prospects and current people on the roster are listening to. I got to use that. You know, it's not uh, how I'm saying it. It's what I'm saying. Uh, I, I think I can pull that up in like an argument in the future. Well, I, I know that there have been colorful metaphors that have been used by certain bosses to get their point across. Yep. And hey, just because somebody does choose to use colorful me metaphors to describe what they're wanting you to produce doesn't mean that their message still has to go unheard and is not a teachable moment. Right. And Tyrion Arnold says, look, even when the cameras, you don't know when they are on you. Yep. And Today, in today's generation, you hear so many older school coaches say, man, I, I wish there was no social media at all because players are so worried about what others are saying about them and thinking about them versus being coached hard and being loved hard and wanting to become that ultimate player. But Terrion Arnold, you take that fussing that he gave you, you learn from it, you're going to put yourself in the NFL without question. And those type of responses are, are perfect and Nick Saban continuing to fuss when he stops fussing that's when you know you have a problem yeah yeah it's good to have that thick skin and that perspective like that because you know some people they might break and they might do the opposite they might not hear what he's saying they might only see how he's saying it and you know some people handle adversity different they can kind of cower in a corner they can yell back but this guy, uh, Arnold, he's got the right, you know, mindset. Just hear, hear the positives. Yes, he's yelling at you, and his spit is probably flying in your eyes <laughs> as he's chewing you out. But he only does it because he cares. Yes, I, I will say that. And we were talking to George Teague, who was giving us Teague's take, Nick. And Anaya Smith, the phenomenal wide receiver and punt returner, for Texas A&M, why, why would you say these type of things to kind of poke the bear and to make Alabama, to give them any bulletin board material? Here's exactly what he had to say about the state of Alabama football. So, I mean, it's, it's more personal for sure. It's more personal for sure. But um, like I was saying earlier, um, I kind of know what – Nick Saban expects, you know what I'm saying, from his offense, from his defensive side. And I'm not trying to be, like, cocky or nothing, but, like, his class, my brother's class, they was nice, you know what I'm saying? They was real nice. And no disrespect to Alabama right now, but them boys was always one, two, you know what I'm saying? Like, it was no question. And right now, with the rankings, I guess you could say that they're – I ain't even going to say that. But, like, at the same time – I, I know what Nick Saban wants, and we're going we gonna to mess that up. You know what I'm saying? So if them boys don't got no momentum for real, we're going to have to take that away immediately. So 
He said no disrespect. I don't think he said anything bad there. He's just saying the same things I've been saying all year. No normally disrespect. Always right up there, one, two, and here they are, and they're not there. No disrespect to the current squad. You think the current squad wants to hear we're not as good as former Alabama teams? You think they want to? Now, they control I mean, that been, narrative. They've been hearing that all year. They should be used to it by now, right? Coming from the opponent or coming from within? I guess when it's your competitor saying it, it's different. As You're opposed damn right to it's me different. saying it or Jake Crane saying it, it's definitely You're different. You're damn right it's different, Nick, because you have an opponent that you're getting ready to play who's going to say, look, you're not playing like a number one or number two team in the country. Let me go ahead and tee off on you and show you what that looks like. So given the opportunity to show Texas A&M what it looks like, I guarantee they're going to try to take advantage of that. And even if he has a slow day at the office, it is still a team game. It's not an individual game to where he can have an off night and Texas A&M still finds a way to win the game. And Alabama, obviously, they lose the game. They're not up to the standards of Alabama being one or two in the country. Yeah. Uh, I guess, see, I, this was my first time hearing this clip. I was expecting something a lot worse. I mean, he didn't say anything. He said enough. Yeah, maybe that's it. Sometimes silence is golden, brothers. Sure. Silence is golden, and George Teague talked about it. Man, when you have a PR opponent uh, or PR department, you, you go ahead and you find ways to to wait until after the game is over to speak that truth. And you open up that can of worms, you're setting yourself up. Now, yeah, someone in the app says, ask the players when joyless murder ball is supposed to start. Well, I will say that the closest version of that was against Mississippi State from an offensive standpoint, being able to run the football and having cohesiveness on the offensive line. But I, I don't think that Alabama has played a dominating four quarters fully of football yet and it's going to take that type of effort in order to quiet the 12th man because it, um, if A&M sticks around it's going to get loud it's going to be rocking and Milro is going to have all he can handle not only coming from that defense but from those 100,000 plus that are going to be sticking around and the best thing you can do to sit those pom-poms down and and stop that cadet core from rocking and swaying because I know Chris Stewart and Tyler Watts, when they're on the call, formerly Eli Gold, when, when he was traveling, he would say, you can literally feel the press box swaying. Yep. That's, how, that's how much how loud and how much atmosphere, electric atmosphere is around that. Now, do I think that joyless murder ball will happen for the Crimson Tide versus Texas A&M? If you're an Alabama fan, you hope so. You don't want to be sitting on the edge of your seat the same way you've been the last two years against Texas A&M. You want to go ahead and tuck them in early. Now, you, you remember those Kevin Sumlin coach teams for Texas A&M. Man, those games were er over early to where even if it was a 2.30 kickoff outside of that Johnny Manziel game, you, you could go ahead and, and, and leave at halftime with no problem knowing that Bama was not going to blow those type of leads. And going on the road, that's exactly what has to happen for the Crimson Tide. And they can't turn the football yeah. over. Uh, they just need to. They have to manage the game, 
I don't think this Alabama team has what it takes to uh, put a comeback together. So I think they need to get out to a nice lead and have their defense maintain it and make it impossible for the other team to make a comeback. Because, man, if like if at some point Texas A&M gets off hot and they're up 14-0, I just don't think Alabama has what they need on offense to make a comeback like that. And look at the dominant win against Mississippi State. Jalen Milrow threw the ball 12 times. And their defense really managed that game. And the running game was just running the clock, keeping the offense going. So they, that's the way that Alabama is going to win games this year. That's the formula. That, that Mississippi State game, that is the blueprint of how Alabama can show some form of dominance. I don't know if they're going to be able to do that against Texas A&M. But we'll see. Let me ask you this. Do you remember a year ago what Jalen Milrow's debut was against the Aggies? No. no In his first that. career start for it? Bryce Young. You you wanna let me go ahead and give you this reminder just in case please, you please. forgot. Milrow, he threw one interception. He fumbled twice and was sacked four times. All right. And that was at home in his collegiate debut versus this Texas A&M Aggies team. But he also produced three touchdowns and ultimately Alabama winning, despite all those bad numbers that I gave you prior to those three touchdowns yeah. being produced. So being thrown into the fire, there's a huge difference between having your first career start at home Versus your first career start on the road. That's and right. I think that Milro, Jimbo Fisher acknowledged that, the fact that how Jalen Milro is getting better and better every week. Because his fifth and sixth starts aren't expected to be the same as his first in his career. And I think that he's continued to, to learn how to read defenses better. But, you know, one interception against the Aggies, unless it's a pick six, won't be devastating because I think Alabama can find a way to bounce back from that. And they showed that same resolve against Ole Miss when he threw that interception right into coverage in the yeah. goal line in the red zone area. So Miro can bounce back. He'll be fine. I mean, yeah, you, let's hope that he is fine because if he's – not fine. Like, I don't think Jalen Milrow's going to ever have a game where, you know, oh, my gosh, 300 yards passing, 100 yards rushing, four touchdowns. That game isn't going to happen this year. And that's not even all on Milrow. I think that's also on a lot of the other deficiencies on Alabama's offense, right? The line, some of the receivers. I do I want to pick Texas A&M to win? I know I rolled with Alabama versus Ole Miss. I obviously picked them against Mississippi State. Mm. The new quarterback of A&M, even though he's a good backup quarterback and he's played well up to this point, does have me a little uneasy because, you know, I don't, has this guy started before, this Johnson guy? He came in against Auburn. I mean, other than this year, I'm saying. Yeah, at LSU. Okay. Yeah, so he definitely has SEC experience. Okay. He, matter of fact, he's played against Alabama when he was at LSU. All right, well, maybe maybe it won't be so bad then. But I'm going to – I'm going to um, 
I'll I'll make my official pick tomorrow. Okay. All right. We'll 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 wait on that official I pick. I know. I already know what your pick is. Yeah. Alabama Without wins eighty nine to zero. But but I I oh, anyway, yeah that <laughs> that would be ideal without question there. But today, Nick Saban on his teleconference kind of gave an update on our guy Deontay Lawson along with offensive guard Terrence Ferguson. And he said both guys were able to practice and really doesn't have a timetable as to whether they will play or not. And if they are able to play, that's great. If not, then you just continue to to have the next man up. But Deontay Lawson's replacement, Campbell, did a phenomenal job and led the team in tackling. So it is great that you are seeing the next man up be ready to go. But Bobby Petrino, I know he's licking his chops for an opportunity to knock off the Crimson Tide as the play caller for Texas A&M, along with Damian Craig and Jimbo Fisher having a chance to shake Nick Saban's hand at the end of the game, knowing that, yeah, I got you for a second time there, big guy. And all that money that A and M spending, they, and all they the spent it all for this game, man. Four and five star recruits. Yep, you're gonna have to get results for sure. This is this is a this is a game that will save Jimbo's job. You know, people are saying he's yeah. on the hot seat or whatever, but if he wins this game, he's safe. If if he can just beat Alabama every other <laughs> year, he's safe. It doesn't matter if he's winning like eight games, nine games. That's all it takes. Got some people cooking me in the app, Corey. What what are you saying, Nick? Nick, much like kids and taxes, you have no idea what you're talking about. In regards are, are to you, what, though? I guess everything I say. Nah, brother. You, will, ain't you true. willing to back that theory with a bet, Nick? I don't. What was my theory that I, if I Alabama is down, they can't make a comeback? I, I I don't know what that theory would Look, be. Look, all I'm saying is, if I was making bets with all you listeners who call me out. Y'all be broke after that Texas game, and I'd be sitting real high. So you win you some. Thank me. You should thank me. You lose some, Nick. Does the state of Texas own Alabama this year? We'll see. The final drive on WNSP. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Jim Brando of Fox Sports telling everyone along the Gulf Coast in Mobile, listen to the opening kickoff with Mark and Lee on 105.5 WNSP. Welcome back to the final drive. Talking a little Alabama, a little A&M. On the NFL side of things, the biggest story... It's not the dominating San Francisco 49ers. It should be. It's Travis Kelsey, Taylor Swift. It's about the love story, the romance. The NFL official Twitter account changed their bio to the Chiefs are 2-0 since they've become Swifties. Sauce Gardner makes a tweet that he deletes. He says, maybe I wouldn't have got called for that hold to win the game if I was a Swiftie. Travis Kelsey, Jason Kelsey, they have their podcast. Great podcast, by the way, New Heights. And on today's episode, they kind of break down the coverage of that relationship and if the NFL is maybe overdoing it. Is the NFL overdoing it? What is your honest opinion? Not I think, take away, I think everybody's take away just like overwhelmed. Your feelings with for Taylor, 
what is your honest <laughs> opinion on how the NFL is treating uh, celebrities at games? I think it's fun when they show uh, who all is at the game. You know, I think uh, I think it brings a little bit more to the atmosphere, brings a little bit more to to what you're watching. Um, but at the same time, I think uh, they're overdoing it. They're they're overdoing it a little bit for sure, especially my situation. Right. I think they're they're just trying to have fun with it, and um, a lot Here's of uh, a lot of the people watching. Go ahead, let's hear it. I just think the NFL is not used to celebrities coming to the games. Like basketball has to figure it out. They're all courtside. They're sitting there. They show them once or twice, and then and then they but they get back to the game. The NFL is like, oh, look at all these A-list celebrities in the game. Keep showing them. Show them. Show them. Show them. Dude, listen. You show them once, let them know they're there. Maybe after a touchdown, you get a little clip, but it, you can't you can't be overboard with it. Yeah. People are there to watch the game, right? Yeah, they're not there to get thrown on TV. You know, I saw someone. Oh, Isaiah Pacheco. He scored a touchdown, and you could tell he was about to go into his like rehearsed dance routine, right? Like he finally gets his touchdown, gets to do the touchdown celebration that he's been practicing, and immediately when he starts to get into the dance. They cut to Taylor Swift celebrating in the stands. And so no one got to saw to see the Pacheco dance. Well, that's where it becomes overkill, Nick. And if it had been Travis Kelsey who scored, all right. If it would have been him who made a tremendous catch, well, that's kind of how they were playing that tie-in right. game. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Taylor Swift overkill for two weeks in a row. And I, you don't have to bring the Swifties in in order to get those type of ratings. Football is football, and those who watch are going to be those who watch. See, the NFL, man, they, they've made a lot of que questionable media choices this year, I feel. Well, I guess just football broadcasts as a whole. They're, they're really going in on this mom cam. It seems like every game they're just showing some mom in the stands of the play. Like, I don't want to see that. And I think, like, there's no competitor. So it's not like they have to better the product. We're going to watch it anyway, no matter how many stupid times they show the parents not watching and they talk about, oh, look at the mom on her phone. Why are we showing her then? You know, it's like it's like uh, going on a random rant here, but it's like the Madden and the 2K video games. They haven't updated those games and changed anything about them in 10 years. Why? Because there's only one NFL game. If you want to play a game a video game with NFL teams, you have to buy Madden. If you want to play a video game with NBA teams, you have to buy 2K. They know that, so they're not going to put their resources into making it a better product because it's point. It's literally a waste of money on their on their part. No one else is buying it. So let me step off my soapbox. Black Friday comes around, I'm buying uh, both of them, though. <laughs> <laughs> Understood there, but when you do – go to, to, to watch the football game, it's to, to see the NFL players. And the NBA, you can't help but to see who's sitting courtside, right? You very rarely see them pan up to who's sitting in the suites right. there at Phillips Arena or at what used to be the Staples Center. You just don't see that. You see courtside celebrities, and you're not going to see that – in the NFL, and that's the point that I think that if Kelsey himself is saying it's overkill, yeah. then it's overkill. Well, can you imagine if, like, LeBron hit a game winner 
and immediately the camera just cut to Jack Nicholson <laughs> on the side. Like it would just it would just be so random. Um, and I get that it's different with the NBA because you see their facial expressions. They're not wearing helmets, but I don't know. We got to do better because it's getting egregious. It's it's, it's beyond egregious. I, I know that you have to just really focus on the, the product itself. And the product, we didn't come to hear or see Taylor Swift. And to, to, to put that, oh, Swift is pulling up in her car. Yeah. And what she's getting doing? out of her car. And, and that's what's crazy. It's like, no, Hugh Jackman was there. Ryan Reynolds was there. But we don't care. It's all Taylor. And, like, let's cut to some of the fans with, like, the crazy. Because, look, if you've been to an NFL game, may, I guess really uh, some college teams. But if you've been to an NFL game, you've seen those crazy diehard fans that got their face painted. They've done built, like, you know, a big transformer costume they're wearing like uh, a shield and they got their night helmet on painted in the team's colors let's see those people cut to those people let's see what the cool signs are that people have in the stands but instead we got to watch taylor swift but i mean it's got to be working though like i guess to play devil's advocate the nfl isn't going to do something like this over and over like on social media, how many posts have they made about Taylor Swift and how many have they made about Christian McCaffrey and the Niners? Probably 10 times more about Taylor Swift. But there's a reason to that, right? Mark talks about it on the morning show. It's analytics. People complain about what they're posting and what they're sharing, but it's numbers. really they're only doing what is getting the clicks. It's numbers because the more eyeballs that come to the product, the more you'll be able to sell, the more you'll be able to find new advertising dollars, which is ultimately what funds the NFL. I mean, because they're so anti-gambling, then all of a sudden you have DraftKings who, who leads it off. And the commissioner still has not been able to give a valid reason behind that and, and why that is the case. But it, it's all about advertising dollars. So I, I know that you do have enough of Hollywood. You want to see football. And NFL product is what we definitely want to see and desire to see. And when Kelsey says it himself, yeah. that's but, all you need to hear. Look, in that episode, I listened to it this morning. They are now the number one podcast, not sports podcast. They are the number one podcast. Wonder why that is. That's what I'm saying. It, it like it's because of the possible mention or the possible popping up. Of Taylor exactly. Swift, and on like we're this all podcast. annoyed by it, but it's working. The Swifties are taking over. Look, my fiance loves Taylor Swift. I can't stand her. Nothing against her, but she doesn't play football. And the NFL guys are or or who we should be focusing on. The final drive will be right back on WNSP 105.5. NFL defensive tackle. When I'm in the city of Mobile, you can normally find me at WNSP 105.5. Welcome back to the final drive on WNSP 105.5. And Nick, 
I know that there are some tragic stories out there in the world as far as from sporting events that we've seen and, and are concerned. And one of those here recently was one that just should never, ever happen. You go out on a Saturday morning and you see 11, 10, 9, 8-year-olds playing Pop Warner football. But imagine an 11-year-old shooting two of his teammates with a gun on a football practice field. And that did happen in Florida to where at practice, an 11-year-old went to the car, got his mom's gun, fired on two 13-year-olds after they had an argument at football practice. One shot wind up shooting two of his teammates. Now, go figure there to, you know, the kid, first and foremost, the mom is going to be in a lot of trouble because her gun was not properly secured. But an 11-year-old going to get a pistol and shooting his teammates at practice. How do you like them apples? Look, we, we know that gun violence is a huge issue in America, but another huge issue in America is stupid parenting. A kid isn't going to go bo- grab a gun in the middle of an argument with other 11-year-olds unless he is learning that type of behavior from somewhere. Now, maybe that's TV. I'm not saying necessarily his parents are going around shooting people or anything like that, but something is missing in that household in terms of, uh, you know, just respect and, and just knowledge. And Look, some people just shouldn't reproduce. At football practice, though, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. You, you go get a gun and you shoot somebody at football practice. An 11-year-old. Look, I. no kid is born bad. Kids learn bad behavior. Now, whoever that kid's learning it from, but, I mean, if that kid knew, oh, I need to just go run it, into, and I know exactly where the gun is. It's in the glove compartment. I know what it's used for to settle a dispute in this way. No. Big, big X on that. Eh, eh, No, that's not good. It it was absolutely nuts. And, 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 you know, I'm I'm an official. I I call high school, middle school, CYO ball. I've had to hear it from Mark Heim on the sidelines plenty of times. I've had to, to, you know, say, hi, man, get in your box. I'm going to go ahead and tee you up there, right? So you see a football official in high school winds up ripping the helmet off of one of the players who are running a route rips it right off of him as he's running a route and then ejects the player these are things that shouldn't happen as an official and i've never seen a texas ref or any ref rip off a player's helmet, and then... Like in the middle of a play? In the middle of the play. I'm going to go ahead and give you that so you can go ahead and post that to to our app so people sure. can view that. But a Texas ref wound up ripping off the helmet of a player, then turned around <laughs> and ejected what, him. What was the purpose of it? Did not say, but needless to say... That official probably threw his last flag ever Mm. in the state of Texas. And also, you see some outbursts versus referees or officials or umpires. 
Mark Pullman, he was participating in the Shanghai Masters tennis tournament. He was leading in his tennis match, and out of frustration, he hit the tennis ball, and it hit the chair umpire in the face, causing some blood to come, and he's automatically ejected and eliminated and disqualified from a tennis tournament. What's the what's the worst outburst you've seen from a player or coach in any sport? There is one answer, and it is I don't think there's anything that rivals it. It's got to be Antonio Brown taking his shirt off, wait, doing a lap around the field, waving to everybody. I believe it was in Miami waving to everybody and then never playing again and basically retiring right there on the spot. I mean, that has to be it, right? That's one of them. That's one of the biggest. I don't know if that was directed at a referee. And not more necessarily. So than I think staff, it was more so at his own team, yeah. right? That's an outburst that you see. But one of the biggest outbursts you, you really see in baseball where the, the umpires come out and are able to get nose-to-nose, face-to-face, with officials and then basically tell them how bad they are, take the bases. I've seen in Major League Baseball, you've seen managers take the base with them to the dugout as they're ejected. You've seen them spit on home plate, kick dirt on home plate. You've seen coaches in college, one at James Madison, Kurt Signetti recently pulled out his cell phone and held it up to an official and say, look, here's the replay that you guys clearly missed. And this past season in the NBA, Patrick Beverly grabbing the camera from someone courtside and walking up to the ref and being like, are you for real? And he ended up getting a tech for that. I mean, it was hilarious, but look, I, I love things like that. Yeah, it's interesting to see what reactions are. NBA players, Major League Baseball managers, I don't think they're really concerned as long as you don't put your hands on an official. That's taking it to the next level. But some of these ejections, some of these outbursts are pretty entertaining when you look at it, and they're trying to get the official to to realize that they are human and they've made mistakes too. But, man, how hard it is to officiate any sport, to manage referee or umpire any sport. That's why there's a tremendous shortage of officials in the country. When when I worked at the Boys and Girls Club, I had to referee uh, one of the basketball games just between um, some of the clubs or whatever. And, man, those kids, I guess I was missing some calls. I was kind of letting them play and – they were really letting me have it, and I was like, man, this isn't – there's no stakes here. Like, we're just playing basketball for fun. I can't imagine doing it, you know, where there's actual things on the line. Um, you know, I actually – they have this series on NFL Network where Steve Smith, you know, the former Panthers wide receiver, he, like, goes to different teams and tries out different jobs, and they had him uh, try out being a referee, and they teach him how to do it, and – and it was interesting. I, I'd never really seen that perspective of it. And, you know, even him being an NFL wide receiver afterwards, he was like, man, I got to give y'all credit. I really be cussing y'all out throughout my career. And now I understand how difficult it really is. It, man, it's not the easiest job in the world. But, again, the outburst by the players out of frustration hitting his tennis ball 
and striking the chair umpire in the face, whether it was intentional or unintentional. It was intentional. Great aim. It Man, <laughs> I, it had to have great aim, but to be disqualified for an opportunity to continue to make money in your career is probably not something that you really want to do for sure. And I, I know making money is something Travis Hunter wants to do here in a couple of years for Colorado. Deion Sanders has said, look, we probably won't see Travis Hunter for a next couple of weeks. Definitely not against Arizona State. I think they have UCLA, and then they have a bye week included there. A lacerated liver is nothing to play with. Mm -mm. So I think that you better safe than sorry there, bringing back one of the most electric players in college football. Definitely as far as from a dual sport yeah. standpoint or dual offense and defensive guy. My, my, getting it done. My Buffalo's missing, man. My Buffalo's need him, man. If he would have played against USC, they might have really been able to do something. But well, you know, who Shallow knows? Sanders may be returning a little bit sooner because the the Buffaloes were without Shallow Sanders, Dion's other son, on defense along with Travis Hunter. And does that make a difference? Sure, that makes a difference. Is that the difference maker? I don't think that that's the difference maker because they still were going to lose to Oregon. They still were going to lose to Southern Cal. But I still think they can beat Arizona State without those two. My Buffaloes, man. We we, we going to be playing for that natty in a couple years, man. We're the new Tuscaloosa up there in Boulder. Yeah. And he can do some things in Colorado if you're a college student that you can't do in Alabama. <laughs> That's true. I can't <laughs> argue with that. That's very true. We'll put the finishing touches on the final drive and preview tomorrow's show as well here on WNSP 105.5. Hey, everybody, this is Gabe Gross, and you're listening to WNSP 105.5.